My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 158. Thank you for rocking with this podcast. If this is your first ever episode of Legally Clueless, welcome to the family. Make sure you join us on Instagram, we're at Legally Clueless Podcast. Ooh, we're on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, we're on TikTok, which means a lot more work for me when it comes to making our social media content. But why not, right? So if you search Legally Clueless Africa, you'll find us there because we've grown to be more than a podcast. We are more like an African platform now. And I'm super excited for all the things that I want to do in this space in the next coming months. So if you're into TikTok like I am, because that's where all the hot men reside. I'm playing. Head over to Legally Clueless Africa. And still on our socials, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, which is pretty awesome. I'm biased, but hey. Um, When you're there, you can watch our two seasons of our video series, which is awesome. And we also have our tour series, so that's awesome. You need to check out our YouTube. Links to all of those pages are in the show notes. Okay, let's get back to this episode. So first and foremost, I just need to give you a heads up. The story that is featured in this episode does reference suicide and that's kind of heavy. So if you're not in the space to be able to interact with conversations around suicide, you may want to give this episode a pass from this point because I'm about to play a snippet of the story. Then my dad comes home with a letter and he told me, I have good news for you. I got you a new school. It's amazing. You're going to love the place. My mom, being the Christian she is, she ensured my dress was long and baggy. As I was approaching my seat, there were giggles in the classroom. There's a guy who said, look at her short. My deskmate told me that, well, in this school, if you're not light-skinned, if your dress is not showing some skin, then you're considered naive. So I walk towards the pool and then there's a girl who, who says, we can't allow her in the swimming pool. She's going to infect infect us with whatever she has. I think the girls now went and told them, eh, that new girl is creepy. That day people made fun of me in the bus. They made fun of my body, how skinny I was. They said I have arms that look like a man because I'm so skinny. That's a story by Judith. We recorded it during our tour last year and yeah, it's coming up a little later in the story but song of the week oh i really love this song oh i really first i really love this artist okay stromay am i pronouncing anyway since i discovered his music years ago that's have been pronouncing his name so if i'm wrong just please look the other side but his new album is everything it's everything as much as like he sings raps or whatever makes music in french I'm just so drawn to even the ones that I don't fully understand with my broken little French that I know. But also some of them in the music videos have English captions. So you kind of get the gist of the song, which is like the one that I want you to check out. It's called L'Enfer. And uh, I really love the song for like since it came out. I've loved the song. I've loved the video. I just... I think he's so vulnerable in this song. He's so real. He touches on a really real moment in this 
journey of being as a human. You know what I mean? In the first verse, he talks about having suicidal thoughts. You know, the shame that comes with having those thoughts. He talks about feeling alone. Ugh, in just... Ugh. Please listen to the song. If you are not a French speaker, watch the video because there's English captions. I've put a link to it in the show notes. It's just everything. This song, it literally is everything. So the other thing that I wanted to share is, first I become that chick who has two therapists. <laughs> Where adulting has freakishad me. <laughs> anyway, so I wanted to share something from my last therapy session that surprisingly enough relates to the story in this episode and was also surprising for me because I had never zeroed in on this issue. So my therapist and I have been going through listing some losses I've gone through and whenever I think loss I would think of you know losing my mom or losing certain aspects of myself when I got raped. So I'd think of these two major things, right? Not to belittle the other ones, but that's where I'd go. But we've been like combing through because she's like, mm-mm, like, let's see what other losses they are. You know, going through like relationships, seeing what losses I experienced in those moments. But something strange, I'm not yet ready to fully talk about something I experienced when I was 12 years old. But in the last session, we went there. In fact, I don't even know how we ended up there. It just stumbled and there we were. And we realized that what I went through, one, affected my self-esteem to date. Like, dude, I was 12 then. I'm 33. It made me want to seek permission from others to allow me to be. Or because I wanted approval from people around me, I would choose certain decisions because of that, not because I genuinely wanted to do that. Eee, heavy stuff, isn't it? And then, so we drew this thing. Well, my therapist drew this thing, which is like a series of circles. I'm just trying to tell it to you so you can imagine it. So just imagine like there's a little circle, then a bigger one around it, then an even bigger one around it, and even bigger, okay? Get it? So like many circles. And the smallest one in the middle is where you're meant to be so that you hear yourself clearly. You really shouldn't have people in that circle. Me, let me tell you, everybody who's meant to be in the other subsequent circles, they were chilling and maxing in this middle one. Not even, they were, they are <laughs> chilling and maxing in this, this middle one that's meant to have only space for me. Now, what that means is that I have so much noise around me. I have so many people around me in that circle that I can't fully hear myself and I can't trust that the decisions that I've been making across the last couple of years were really fueled by what I wanted to do or all of those people who are maxing and chilling in the small circle. Ugh. But as much as it's overwhelming because now you have to kind of like regroup and put people in the respective circles, it feels good to know. It feels good to identify an issue and say, actually, yeah, I need to step back from this. Yeah, and and that process brings in, you know, the element of drawing up boundaries. So I don't know, I thought I should share because one, you know, we, we say it that either childhood trauma or traumatic events you went through as a kid definitely affects who you are as an adult. But sometimes we forget to look internally and see what that could mean specifically for us. That's one. And then the second thing is just like that tiny circle, right? Who have you allowed to get in there and should they really be in there or somewhere else? Um, is it 
feeling a bit noisy? Can you hear yourself? <sighs> I just thought I'd share that. Okay, let's jump into the story. So this is part one. Part two of Judith's story will be in episode 159. We recorded Judy's story first day of our tour, actually, because we recorded her story in Nairobi. And she talks about bullying, about things that we experience as children mm -hmm, and how they affect us as adults. And I think I don't I don't think I've ever asked you to share episodes before, but honestly, Judith's story is inspiring for everybody, but I would really love you to share this with the parents in your networks or guardians in your networks, anybody who's looking after a child, anybody who runs a school or is a teacher or working in education in whatever capacity. I just feel like we really need to intentionally do better for, for the kids who are in our care. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Judy Akinyi. I am a mental health advocate from Kenya. So growing up, I was a very happy child. My dad nicknamed me the captain of games because he used to say that kids cannot play outside without me. I was that child who would wake up and the first thing I think of is going outside to play with my friends. I would help my mom with our chores in the house. I was very active in the house. I think I was the most active amongst my siblings. And even in school, I used to perform quite well. I won a lot of trophies from athletics. And I had amazing friends in the school I was I was in. I used to love the school so much. So one day I just got out of school, went home. It was a Friday evening. So I got home. I was having tea as usual. Then my dad comes home with a letter. And he was so happy when he got in the house. And he told me, I have good news for you. I was like, okay, what's the good news? Then he told me, I got you a new school. It's amazing. You're going to love the place. The school performs well. I was kind of excited, but I was anxious at the same time because I wasn't mentally prepared to go to a new school. I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to my friends in the previous school. So I asked him, um, when am I joining the school? And he said, you're going on Tuesday. So this was Friday. So I told him, um, will I get a chance to go back to school and say goodbye to my friends? And he was like, no, on Monday you have to shop for your uniform and everything. So I was like, okay, I felt so bad that I wouldn't um, be able to say bye to my best friend. So my big brother was in this same school that I had transferred from. So I wrote a letter to my best friend. I gave it to my brother and I told him, just give, it, give this to my best friend tell her I won't be coming back and I'm so sorry. So my brother delivered the letter and he told me my best friend cried. It was it was emotional. But yeah, so Monday came, I went shopping with my mom for uniform. We got the dresses. I really didn't like the uniform I got. My mom being the Christian she is, she ensured my dress was long and baggy and I was very very tall and quite skinny not even quite skinny I was skinny so I, I I tried talking to my mom and telling her okay this dress is too long and too baggy I don't like it but she was like this is what the school wants so you'll just have to go with what the school wants so we did the shopping finished and Tuesday was here the day I had to go to school so that morning the bus didn't come to pick me up but I guess my dad didn't um, communicate well with the school so they didn't know where to pick me so I went to school with my dad that day, but I was quite late because I went, um, it was like almost two hours to lunchtime. So we got to school, we went to the staff room, I was introduced to my class teacher who then took me 
to class. So we got to class, he knocked thinking there was a teacher teaching, but there was no one, there was no teacher in the class. So he opened the door, he asked the students if there was an empty seat in class and there was an empty desk at the back. So he just told me, you go and sit there. He didn't introduce me to the class, nothing. So I found that quite weird, because in my previous school, the teacher would introduce new students, you know, so that you'd at least feel comfortable. So this teacher didn't introduce me to other students. So when I was sitting down, I was like, okay, this is quite weird, but fine. So as I was approaching my seat, there were giggles in the classroom. So I didn't really, think much, I didn't concentrate much on it because I thought, okay, maybe they have their stuff going on that they're talking about and they're giggling. So I ignored them and I sat down. So before I could even get to interact with my deskmate, the maths teacher came inside. When the math teacher came, at least now I got to introduce myself. So he asked me my name and the school I was from and he, welco he welcomed me nicely. So that, that kind of felt nice. Yeah, so the, the classes ended and it was lunchtime. So I'll tell you for a fact that joining a new school when students have already been there is, it's not cute. Because everyone has their clique, everyone has their friend, they know who they're hanging out with, so you don't even know where to start. So at lunchtime, everyone has gone out of class and left behind with my deskmate. So I tell her, hi, hi, where can I go and take lunch? Because I don't even know where the dining is, the, the dining hall is. So she told me, oh, the dining hall is close to the exit gate. You'll just see students lined up there. Then I told her, okay, maybe we can go together. So in that school, there was an orphanage, and my deskmate was an orphan, so she was going to eat at their place. There was the orphanage was in school. So she was like, oh, I don't really take lunch here. I can take you there where you're supposed to take your lunch and then I'll go home. So I told her, perfect, that would be nice. So she took me, I stood on the line and she went. So I, I was approaching, there was a lady standing at um, close to someone who was serving meals. So people had meal cards and I didn't know that people were given meal cards. For me, I'm just, I'm just seeing people issuing their milk cards and I'm like, okay, what are these people carrying? I had no idea the milk cards. So people are walking and walking. So we get closer and then I just asked the guy in front of me, okay, what are you guys giving out over there? Then he was like, oh, it's a milk card, you're, a new, you're new, right? I was like, yeah, I'm new, I don't have one. Then he told me, oh, it's cool, you can just go and tell her that you're a new student, nothing bad will happen. So I was like, okay. So we moved and moved, then we got closer. Now this lady was like, where's your milk card? I told her, I am a new student. Before I would even finish my statement, hey, she was already, she had the worst anger outburst. She was just talking much. She's like, you're coming here to repeat food. You think I don't know students like you? She really embarrassed me. And the group of students who are seated close to where she was were really laughing when she was saying all those things. So I felt so bad. I didn't even eat that day. I was just like, ah, I'll just go back to class. I'm not even hungry anyway. So yeah, the day went by. Day one of school was quite boring, I'd say, because... I never made a friend. No one even approached me to be my friend. The farthest people went was asking me how, which school are you from? How are you? You're good, yeah. But I never got any friends. So I went back home and my mom was excited. She was like, how was school? I told her school was okay, but I didn't make any friends. And she was like, don't worry, this is your first day. As you keep going, you'll get used to it and you'll make friends, so that shouldn't worry you. Is there anything else? I need to know, then I told her, no, everything else is okay. So the second day, 
we were wearing on Wednesday now we were wearing athleisure so it was a short and a shirt and sweater as usual so again my mom bought me a long short literally and remember i was very tall and very petite so the short was long and baggy again remembering what had happened the first day i know that these students were probably giggling because of my uniform so now that i was wearing this baggy short and i looked really weird i i did look weird i'm not even it's no cap i looked weird so i told my mom i'm not comfortable and my mom told me this is what the school wants. GD, stop being stubborn. You're not going for fashion show, you're going to school. And being the African parent she is, I was not about to say another word. So the bus picked me up and I got to school that morning. So we had our morning prep and then now at break time. So I didn't leave class when the bell rang. I left class before the bell rang because I needed to use the washroom. So I got up and when I was just going to get the door, there's a guy who said, look at her short, you know, she's naive. And then people burst out laughing. I didn't even look back. I just went to the washroom. I remember I got to the washroom and I cried. And I was like, well, now which, what kind of school is this that my parents have brought me? I'm not even comfortable. And I remember I didn't go back to class that day after break. I went and hid in the field. So I went and sat in the field and I was crying and I was asking God, now why did you bring me to a school where I, I feel different? I'm not accepted. So that day I stayed, I stayed in the field and then there's a teacher who found me in the field. So that teacher asked me, why are you sitting here? And the students are in class. Then I told her I'm not feeling too good and I'm new, I don't know where I can get help. So she asked me, what's the problem? I told her I have a problem with my stomach. I, <laughs> I have a problem with my stomach. So she was like, okay, since you're new, I, I was crying, so she probably believed me. So she told me, okay, I'll take you to, there's a match run, I'll take you, you'll get some meds, and then you'll go to class. So she took me, I got some painkillers, I took the painkillers and I wasn't sick anyway. <laughs> And then I went back to class. Oh, I was, I was anxious. I was fidgeting in class. I couldn't even concentrate because now I was just like, why wow, these people are just looking for opportunities to make fun of me. So the second day ended again. I never got any friends. No one approached me to be my friend. So that, that second day before I went home, I told my deskmate, okay, me, I've been in this school and I don't I don't think people are friendly here because people are making fun of my uniform, how I look in it. Then she, my deskmate told me that, well, in this school, if you're not light-skinned, if you're not beautiful, if, you're, if your dress is not showing some skin, then you're considered naive. So I was like, okay, wow. And I asked her, um, how have you been coping in, in school? She didn't want to talk about it. So I let it slide. She was quite antisocial also. And what we, what we shared in common is we both had acne on our face. There's a way that no one wants to be seen with someone who has pimples all over her face. You're considered ugly. So when she told me that it hit, now it started hitting me that, oh, so I'm different because I have acne, because my dress is not short like the others, my, my uniform is not revealing some skin. Ah, so that, that day I went home, I was I was quite, quite depressed, but I didn't show it because then at home, the environment was nice. I had amazing friends at home who always made me happy. So every time I went home, I didn't used to think much about what happened in school. So my parents, my mom never even noticed, had barely noticed if I wasn't okay. So the first week, there was a swimming lesson and 
I didn't have my swimming costume that week. So when we went swimming, I sat with the students who are sick who don't swim. So the next week now, there was swimming. So I bought a swim. My mom bought me a swimming costume. At least it was cute. <laughs> so this week now we were going for swimming. It was on Friday and we were going swimming outside the school. There was a hotel we were going to. So swimming, swimming lessons are here. This was the first time I was going for a swimming class. In my previous school, there was no swimming. So I was excited. But again, I didn't know how to swim, so <laughs> I was kind of scared. But I, was, I, had a, I had a good feeling this would be fun. So we get in the bus, we go, we get to the changing room. So the changing, changing rooms are filled. Everyone is changing. You know, like I said in this school, everyone has their best friend and everything. So everyone is with their friend. They're going to the same changing room and dressing. So people were taking a lot of time in the changing rooms. And the swimming tutor was like, get out of the changing rooms. We need to start now. So I just, there was an, an open space in the changing room. So I opted to undress there where... 90% of the students would see me undress. So while I was undressing, there was someone in my business and I didn't notice that she was staring at me while I'm undressing. So when I'm putting on my swimming costume, she notices the birthmark that I have somewhere around my waist area. So this birthmark is kind of creepy because it's, it's a layer of skin that has swollen. So I was, I was born with it. Because even growing up, I always ask my mom, what is this on my skin? She's like, you were born with it. I think it's just a birthmark. Because I've always gone to hospital to find out if it has an infection or anything. But I'm just told it's normal. It's just extra skin. So when I was wearing my swimming costume, this girl noticed the birthmark. And then there's also another one on my hip on my left side. It's just a tiny skin again. Similar to the, the one I have here. But the one I have on my to my waist area is kind of bigger. So she noticed it and I saw her rushing outside to my classmates. I probably said, okay, that has freaked her out or something, but I didn't know she would make a big deal out of it. So everyone has changed, everyone has gone out of their changing room. Now I was like among the last ones to come out. So when I'm coming out, everyone is staring at me and I'm like, okay, this is weird. So I walk towards the pool and then there's a girl who, who says, we can't allow her in the swimming pool. She's going to infect, infect us with whatever she has. So she told the, the swimming trainer, she didn't shout, she just approached him and told him, we've been told that this girl has something on her skin and we can't allow her to get in the, in the swimming pool. So the, the swimming. The trainer calls me and asks me, um, okay, so I've been told something about you and it's disturbing students. Then I asked him, what is it? And he told me, these people are saying you have something on your skin that you're hiding. And I was like, first of all, I'm not hiding it. And this thing I have, it's a birthmark. So I explained it to him and he understood. But these students, I don't, the mindset of kids, then I was, I was 12 years old. So you know, the mindset of kids, they're like, hey, I'm not getting in the pool if she's getting in because she's going to, to infect me. Look at her face. She has all those pimples. So when they're saying all these things, I can hear them because they're like seated next to me. So I can hear them say, look at her face, all that acne. I think, I think she has a disease we don't know about. So that day, I, I didn't even get in the swimming pool. I didn't. I just told the trainer, you know what? I can't even swim because if these people 
have a fear that I'm going to infect them with something I don't have, then I don't think I'm comfortable to, to swim. So he told me, it's fine, you can just go and dress and then come and watch them swim. So I did that and then swimming class was over, we were going back to school. So as we were going back to school in the school bus, the naughty ones are always seated at the back. So the naughty guy starts saying, hmm, have you seen that new skinny girl? And they're shouting in the bus. The guys hadn't seen it, but I think the girls now went and told them, hey, that new guy is creepy. So pe that day, people made fun of me in the bus. They made fun of my, my body, how skinny I was. They said I, had, I have arms that look like a man because I'm so skinny. That day, was, <laughs> that day was horrible. It was so horrible. And as soon as we got to school, I went and told the head teacher, I don't think I can go on with class. I want to go back home. And she asked me, why do you want to go back home? And I said, I, we just went for swimming. And people made fun of my body. People made fun of how I look. And then she was like, you're just overreacting. And also, you know how kids can be sometimes. Just calm down, go back to class this will subside with time. I had no choice, so I went to class. The day ended, I went back home. This time around, I was not happy at all, and my mom noticed. So she asked me, Ay. Naleo mekuja nyumbani, you look, you look different. Was class tough? Then I told her, ah. Yeah, but also I didn't like swimming. I didn't like swimming today. Then she asked, is it because you don't know how to swim or you don't like your swimming costume? Then I told her, no, it's the students. Thing. The students, they made fun of my birthmark. So my mom, my mom was like, this, these things are bound to happen. And then when they happen, you just pray. Just ask God to give you the strength to be able to go through these things and you'll be okay. And she told me, whenever you're feeling sad about, about things you can't change about yourself, just pray. So I told her, it's okay. And then she, she told me, you don't need to have a bunch of friends in that school. You don't, you don't even need to have friends. You just go to school, we took you there to study, you don't need friends, go study, come back home. So I was like, okay. So days and weeks passed, people continued making fun of my body, I was treated different, I was the tallest girl in school. And in class six, I, I, was, I was too tall to be in class six, I was very tall, I was the petite girl, I was the tall girl. I was the girl with huge pimples on her face, the dark-skinned girl. So people really made fun of my appearance. And now there was, uh, after a few months, I joined, I joined the journalism club. There were options of joining the journalism club, wildlife club, there were so many, so many clubs. So I decided to join the journalism club because I have, growing up, I have always wanted to be a journalist. So the first day I go, I sat next to a guy in class eight. I was in class six then. So he told me, yeah, you're new. I haven't seen you here. And I was like, yeah, I'm new and I'm so excited to be in this club. Then he looked at me and he told me, and you think journalism is for you? Then I'm like, what? Kwani, what? How are you supposed to look like in order to be in journalism club? And then he told me, if you're if you're in journalism club, you have to be, you have to be beautiful. No unafanya nini apa? So I was like, okay. So this guy is really trying to pass a message that I'm not cute. So I got up from where I was seated, where he was, and I went at the back. I didn't really feel bad. Honestly, I didn't really feel bad about that comment. So I went and sat at the back with other girls. Now, I think those other girls were in class five, four. Yeah, with younger girls. So I went and sat at the back. And then now the, the teacher for the head of the journalism club came. I introduced myself. 
And then when the club was over, now when you were getting out, people were like, you have huge pimples. No one is going to want you in journalism club. Okay, just look for another club. No one on TV is going to take you. You're too dark skinned for TV with all those pimples and the way you're skinny. Look at my collarbones were like, <laughs> even right now they show, but then they were so huge. Look at your collarbones. Atatuneza store majiapo. Ebonga leven yo mekonda. No one is going to want you on TV. So just look for another club. I was told these things to my face. Not that I was hearing someone saying, saying no. I was told to my face. So that day, I went at home. I looked at myself in the mirror. And for the first time, I looked at myself in the mirror. I told myself, you're so ugly like those voices were just ringing in my head now you're so ugly you're ugly you're ugly look at your pimples look at your body why are you so skinny i criticized myself i bullied myself i think i was my i was my biggest bully and i i i remember i broke down that night i broke down that night it really got to my head i didn't show it to my family then my my parents or my siblings they didn't know i just cried at night and I was like, at least this new school has shown me the true me. So the other people were just pretending to be good to me when deep down they knew I'm ugly and all that. So it really got to my head. I really hated school. I would dread going to school. Like every morning, every day just got harder and harder. And now things got worse when my dad said now he wants me to join boarding school. And I wasn't about to say no. So he just told me, we've decided you're going to boarding it was on a Monday, so he was like, on Saturday, we're taking you to boarding. So Friday, you won't go to school. We'll go shop for everything you need, and you're going to boarding school. I Deep down, I wanted to say no, but I couldn't. I just couldn't, because again, I knew that my parents just wanted the best for me. Bringing me into this bougie school, they definitely wanted the best for me. So the day of going to boarding came, I went with my dad again. And this time round, I had my suitcase and everything. So we arrive with my dad and mom. I get my suitcase out of the car. So the matron comes and she, she directs us to the dormitory. So as we're working towards the dormitory, there are a group of students seated close to the dorm. So as we're approaching them, they're really staring at us as we, as we walk towards them. And my dad notices, but he just kept quiet. So we kept walking and walking. And as soon as we walked past them, they, they laughed. And then one student said, Angalia suitcase yake. So my suitcase was different from the other students. So these other students, coming from well-off families, I was from a very humble background. So I, had, I carried this steel metal box you know those joakali boxes yeah that's what i i had that's what my parents bought me so one of them said angalia suitcase yake who carries such a suitcase in, in in such a school and then they laughed and my dad had them so at least i'm not the only one who i thought it was all happening in my head but it was actually happening so my dad had them and he was like hey i've heard what those students have said and i'm not happy so we just walked in the dorm, I unpacked my things, I got them in order, and then he told me, Judy, don't worry, the next time we're coming for visiting day, I'll get you a better suitcase. Vumilia tunaisa easy, because this is what we can afford. When my parents were leaving, <laughs> I felt like that two-year-old who's being left with 
home alone with a house girl and she's really breaking down i i felt like telling my parents please just de- just stay i don't think i can handle a night in this school my dad noticed i was so uneasy and i think he thought it's because they made fun of my suitcase so he was like that shouldn't bother you i will get you something absolutely better and if you need anything just tell the matron to call me and I'll, I'll, I'll give you whatever you need. So my parents left, and here I was. I didn't know who my roommates were, so I just sat and waited for them to come to the dorm. I was just seated on my bed because I had arranged everything. So my roommates came. One was in class eight, and the other ones were the same class as I was, but in a different stream. So luckily, my roommates were kind of nice. Yeah, they were kind of nice. So that night was amazing. We got to interact and they told me much about the school. So the next morning again when now we're going to shower, my bath mark again. So now I'm dressing in front of my roommates, they notice it and they started freaking out. So the the, the girl who was sleeping down, it was a double decker, so I was up and she was down. So she noticed it and she asked me, what, what's that on your skin? What's wrong with your skin? I told her, this thing freaks people out, but it's just a birthmark. There's nothing big to it. This was now after I had showered and I was dressing up. Then I asked her, is it making you uncomfortable? And she was like, oh, if it's a birthmark, it's okay. Me, don't see any problem. So this girl is just telling me it's okay, but Kumbe deep down, she knows that she's about to go make a fuss again out of it. So now... Three quarter of the school knows that I have some weird skin on my body and now everyone is just criticizing me, making fun of my appearance. In fact, there are people who used to say that I have repeated a lot of times because of my height. They're like, to my letewa mama kwa class, mama, she's not supposed to be in class six. She's probably repeated a lot of times. A lot of people said I'm naive. I was told I'm too skinny. So now all this, going through this body shaming, acne shaming, it got so bad. I I never used to have any friends. I was the loner in school. I would go eat meals alone. I would spend most of the time alone. During weekends, I'd just go somewhere in the field. So I used to have a diary where I would write how I feel, where I would journal how I feel. So like today... Someone made a funny comment about my skin. How do I feel about it? What can I do to change it? Nothing. So that writing that was kind of helpful. Days went on. People kept continued making fun of me. And now I was totally depressed. I hated myself. I hated my body. I would not stand looking at myself in the mirror. I called myself ugly. But then after some time now, there was a new girl who came to school so this new girl got to be my friend because again she was new and she didn't know where to start so at least i was like (laughs) i got a friend she came she we became friends for about a week and then after a week she was influenced by others not to not to stay with me because there was a time now we had gone for pe so we were playing i was close to her we would hang out like literally the whole day everywhere it was nice i felt i felt good it felt nice to have her so after that week, now the next week, we've come from PE, we're, we're going to class. So I go to class, I sit down, and then I open my locker, and I find a letter. So uh, this was weird. So I open the letter, and the letter is written, I'm sorry, I don't want to be your friend anymore because of your acne, and every time I walk with you, people are making fun of me, so I don't think I want to be your friend anymore. So it was from her and my deskmate. 
So weirdly also my best my, my desk mate was like please don't talk to me. I don't want to be associated with with you because when I work with you, when I talk to you, everyone is making fun of me. That letter crushed me. That letter crushed me. And I was like, wow, so this is really happening. No one wants to associate with me because I'm too tall, because I have pimples on my face, because I have a weird birthmark, so I was treated different. And I remember now that night, I was, now I was in class 7, I was 13 years old. That night I got that letter. I, I was like, this is it. There's no, there's no reason for living. Like, why am I alive? Why, why am I alive if no one wants to be associated with me? People think I'm ugly. And I was just like, this is, I, I can't take this anymore. So I went to the matron. I told her I'm not feeling well, and she gave me some pills. So I took the pills, and I kept them. So that night, that night, I, I, I contemplated suicide. I was like, me, by the way. I don't think I want to to go on. So for that week, I piled up pills from the matron. I would just go and say, I'm still not feeling too good. Please give me more pills. So the matron would be like, okay, so since you're not feeling so good, be coming in the morning, afternoon, and in the evening for the pills. So I was like, yes, at least you're making things easy for me. So I piled up a lot, a lot, a lot of pills. And this took like three days. So after like three days, I think I had a bunch of pills and I was like, this is going to work. So on Saturday, while people were going for entertainment, I took my my bottle of water and and the pills that I had and I went to the field it was so dark and I went to the field no one noticed me going there so I went there I before taking the pills I was I just I just made a short friend I was like God if you have any reason that I should be alive then please don't let it work but if 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 it's really meant to happen then I really don't I don't think I want to leave if I don't have a purpose here because I don't I don't feel safe here so yeah I took the pills and being the young kid that I was I thought it would work immediately so I took the pills and I sat and I was just feeling normal so I'm like okay what is this so I I, I sat it was dark and it was cold and I was in the field alone so I waited and nothing is happening so I was like ah, let me go to the dorm and sleep maybe it takes time before it happens. So I went to the dorm and I slept. And in the morning, I woke up. And I was so angry. I was like, why am I awake? Why am I awake? I thought I was going to die. Like, I'm tired. I'm tired of, of this school. I'm tired of everything. Why am I awake? So I didn't even feel anything. I wasn't. I didn't even fall sick or anything. And I, I took a bunch of pills. So that morning, again, I woke up. I Now things were... I switched things up. I'd wait for people to leave the dormitory so I can go take a shower. Because I couldn't undress in front of my cube mates. So I would oversleep in order to wait for people to be few in the bathroom and the dormitory so that I can go and take a shower. At least no one would have to stare at my pimples or my birthmark. So yeah, I waited for students to leave. I dressed in peace when no one was in the cube. I was late for morning preps that day and I got punished for it. So that day, that morning, I went to my class teacher after the punishment. Now I went to my class teacher and I told my class teacher, you know what, I'm not comfortable in this school because kids have been making fun of my height, my skin, my just everything about me. And the teacher laughed and she told me, how can a tall girl like you allow people to bully her? And I was like, what has my height got to do with being bullied? And she said, learn to stand up for yourself. You're a grown-up, you should stand up for yourself. So the teacher didn't even help me or anything. So 
I just went back to class. And then now this teacher told the other teachers that I had complained that I'm being bullied. So the maths teacher came to class. And then before he started teaching, he's like, they're being bullied. And then everyone in class, so no one knows who is it. So, so people are like, hmm? deep down, I know it's me. So I was freaking out and I was like, I just hope he won't say it's me. So he said, you're being bullied. You can't stand up for yourself. And you're the tallest girl in class. So eventually people knew that it was me. He didn't say it was me, but... People definitely knew that it was me. So now I became a snitch. When the math lesson was over, again, then the bullying just got worse. I couldn't even get up of my chair to to leave class because it would be... <laughs> I have always catwalked, like, since I was young. I, I always walk like I catwalk. So even my walking style, they'd say, Nikona Maringo. I'm faking it. So even getting up of my seat was a problem. Going for break was, I sometimes I'd miss going for break and lunch because I, I don't want, I just don't want to walk around the school. I don't want to be made fun of because they've already, already made me feel different enough. So I think the highlight of bullying, it got, it, it got pathetic when one time now we went swimming and I didn't have a choice. I had to swim this time round. So I wore my swimming costume and I went into the water. It had taken a while before I swam, so I told the trainer, I don't know how to swim. You're, going, you're probably going to teach me how to do it. So while I was in the water, a guy just approached me. He was from a different stream. He came close to me and then he told me, you don't deserve to be in this school. You're ugly, your acne is horrible your dark skin have you seen have you seen the girls around here can you see Ebu just look around can you see anyone that looks like you can you see anyone who is tall and has bones everywhere like you oh that <sighs> that just crushed me and that guy told me you are not supposed to be in this school he told me to my face I got out of the swimming pool, I went, I wore my swimming costume, and I went and told the teacher I am going home. And the teacher was like, what do you mean you're going home? Students are going back to school and you're saying you want to go home. I told, him, I told, I told the teacher I am going home. I don't care about class, I don't care about school, I want to go home. I'm tired. The teacher was like, you're not going anywhere. You're going back to school and you're going back to class like the rest of the students. And then, and again, I didn't have a choice, so I went sat in the bus, I, I, most of the time I used to sit alone, unless there's someone who has missed a seat and they don't have anywhere to sit. So maybe a guy or another girl would come and sit close to me. So we went to school. I was breaking down in the bus. I didn't care who was looking, who wasn't looking. So there was a girl, Pauline, shout out to you. So there's a girl called Pauline. She came and she sat next to me and she was like, why are you crying? And I told her for the longest time in this school, I have not felt safe, I've not, I've not felt nice. People have been making fun of me and now today this boy just told me I don't belong here because I look like this. And Pauline told me you're not the first one to go through this. There are people who are being shamed because of their pimples and everything. And then she told me about now my desk mate. She had pimples and everything and she was quite antisocial. So she told me even your desk mate has been made fun of because of this and this, but look at her, she's she's doing great so Bumilia too you're going to be fine so I just persevered all those insults and everything and I I got through primary I, I was never comfortable now when we closed school when I was going at home 
I started changing. I wasn't the playful child anymore. I started spending more time indoors and I wasn't really happy and my mom started noticing so when we closed school she would ask me are you okay you, you're not even going out to play like you always go out to play but now that i knew that i was ugly and that i was not i didn't fit in i just told her ah, i think i just want to sit in the house probably watch cartoon and just wait for schools to open so that would go on and on when we closed school i used to isolate myself i used to just sit in the house and my parents just thought it's normal, I guess. My siblings, they were hardly ever at home because they were also in school, in boarding. And luckily, I was the one who was taken to the best school. So my siblings thought I was actually having a good time in my school because it was like the best school in Eldoret then. It was like the fancy school in Eldoret, but deep down, I was not happy in that school. So when schools closed one time, I told my sister that, ah, this school is nice, but I don't really like the environment. And my sister focused much on the good side of it from what she had heard. So she was like, if I were you, I'd just stay there because the school that I'm in, you wouldn't want to be there. So. I got done with primary, thank goodness. I just endured all those insults and everything, but now they affected my self-esteem. And now joining high school, I was quite different. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. So that's part one of Judith's story. Part two will run next week in episode 159. I just thought it, it was quite a heavy story so split it up so that we can get a breather and then next monday listen to part two as i said earlier man if you know anybody who you know either has kids is caring for kids in whatever capacity i feel like we need to do better by children and be more of a support so if you know anyone just who you think needs to listen to judith's story just send it to them send this episode to them you know it's it's even reminding me of just like the frustration i have with Kenya and the school fires. So if you're not in Kenya, we have this consistent issue in our boarding schools where students will set either the dormitories on fire or like some part of the school on fire. Now, the education ministry's response is always like violence. Arrest the kids responsible. Remove entertainment from their timetables or whatever, their schedules. And it's so wild to me that the first response was never, go to these schools and just sit down with these kids and try and understand where is their frustration coming from. I feel like sometimes we look at kids as though they're not whole humans who feel, who hurt, who are in some cases trying to navigate healing. Like this forceful response we have to kids, I don't know. I, I don't see it as even being, you know, at the very least efficient. So part of me listening to Judith's story when we were recording it, I was like, man, I wish they were counselors in every school especially public schools you know what i mean i wish we could hack that accessibility even if they're not in schools but i believe they need to be just make it accessible for parents to take their kids to see a therapist you know what i mean right now it's just so expensive it's also so interesting listening to judith when she's describing certain things like she remembers what she was wearing she, like the memories are so vivid again it ties back to what i was telling you earlier from my therapy session like something when i that happened when i was 12 you know had such lasting impact on me 
And her memories are so vivid because of the impact it's had on her. So again, do not dismiss children's experiences. It's so painful that her teachers were not a good support. It makes you wonder, okay, so what are they there in the school for? How can a kid come and tell you that she's getting bullied and you call out the kid for not fighting back? What? And then the final thing is not for kids, really. It's just for humans. People are really going through it out here. I mean, I'm currently going through it. I found that a couple of days ago, I went for an event and I went alone and I told myself, like, I'm going to immerse myself in the event. I'm not going to try and like be stressed or whatever or carry whatever is bogging me down into that event. And I ended up having a really good time making friends, meeting new people. But I, I remember the point being mid conversation and just thinking, yo, we really need to extend grace and kindness to others because you really don't know what people are battling if you have the capacity to be kind to even a stranger why not anyway if you want to share your story as well in this podcast i'm so excited because i'm going to be recording some of you who applied to share your stories on the 30th so i can't wait to and all the recordings are in person yay so i get to meet you uh covid really made them all virtual which is great but uh, it's something about meeting part of the legally clueless fam so on the 30th i'm so excited about that but if you want to share your story on this podcast fill out the google form there's a link to it in the show notes and i will get back to you also make sure you check out this podcast on trace radio in kenya we are there every Monday and Wednesday at 11 p.m. and 12 noon and Friday at 12 noon. And very soon, I have a super awesome announcement to make in regards to this podcast being on Trace Radio. So go to traceradio.co.ke. You can stream Trace there, actually, and you can also get a list of the frequencies. So if you are driving around Kenya, you know how you can tune in to Trace. As I wrap this episode, just another reminder, healing is not linear. Forgive yourself. Be graceful with yourself. Catch you next week when I will be playing you part two of Judith's story. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.